I am so glad that you are all able to join us today. Um, and if you're watching online, a massive hello to you too. Um, my name's Libby, and today we're continuing our series on faith foundations that Julian kicked off for us last week. Um, these are topics that we um, really underpin our faith as Christians. And today we're talking about the kingdom of God, um, which is also referred to as the kingdom of heaven interchangeably throughout the Bible. This morning, we're talking about the kingdom of God because it really is such an important part of our Christian faith and the journey that we are all on. And particularly as a vineyard church, this is a really essential part of what we believe. It's really important to us. For a long time, when I was younger, um, the kingdom of God was something familiar to me only as something I recited about in school. Many of us here will know the Lord's Prayer, um, and many of you will know it by heart and maybe have done since you were a small child. Part of that prayer is your kingdom come. And I know that when I used to say that at school, I definitely didn't fully appreciate what that meant. When we begin to understand the implications of the kingdom of God in our, in our lives, they really are transformed. Not only that, but I believe that this is one of those areas of faith that we can understand more and more as we journey closer to Jesus. It's something that's never fully possible to understand. So no matter how far along in your faith journey you are, whether you have not yet met, met Jesus or whether you've known him for a very long time, there is more to uncover, more to experience and more to live out. So what does it look like for the kingdom to come as we would pray as children? Hasn't it already come through Jesus? These are a few of the questions that this morning we're going to be looking at together. Um, our key scripture for this morning is Mark 1. So if you have Bibles, please find that, that verse. It will also be up on the screen, so don't worry if you've not got a Bible with you. But before we delve into the, this principle of the kingdom of God and what it means for us living our lives today, I think we first need to understand what the kingdom of God means. Jesus declared in Mark 1, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God isn't just a physical location, but it's the dynamic rule and reign of God. It's the present reality where God's authority, God's love, God's justice and transformative power are experienced. And we can experience that here today. The kingdom of God is both now, it's a present reality for us, but it is also a not yet. There's a sense that the kingdom of God is still yet to come in all of its fullness. In other words, we kind of live in that middle bit the bit between Jesus dying and rising again and him coming again. It's a tension we live in as followers of Jesus, and it helps us to understand why sometimes we experience the fullness of kingdom of God, and other times maybe we pray for things and they don't happen. Understanding this tension really helps us to navigate our journey and to live in that hopeful anticipation of what is to come. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see glimpses of the kingdom breaking through into the present reality of the time. And we're going to be looking at some of those moments in more depth in just a moment. But through his teachings, through his life, we can see a model that Jesus demonstrates to us. A model where Jesus announces to us that we can have access to the kingdom of God today, the nowness, the now moment of the kingdom. The personal discipleship journey of faith that each of us is on in Jesus, uncovering that more and more. Not only is it marked by the discipleship, but it's also marked by demonstration of power. There, in the kingdom, there are signs and wonders and miracles that we see Jesus do in the Bible, but that also we have access to today. The kingdom of God restores people spiritually and physically, and it's a foretaste of what the kingdom will be fully like when Jesus returns. 
However, whilst we do have that nowness, there is also a sense of the not yet. As we look around in our world, we can see that it's not perfect. We can see brokenness, we can see hurt, we can experience those things, they can be really real for us. And the incredible beauty of the kingdom is that God is offering us the opportunity to partner with him in his redemptive work. We're called to hold those areas in tension, the now and the not yet. And we are called to live out as kingdom carriers, as kingdom ambassadors, seeking justice, extending mercy, and sharing the love of Christ. We're to be agents of that transformation. And to me, that's a real incredible truth because God could do it all, but he chooses to partner with us and use us as agents of change in our communities. The kingdom of God gives us the opportunity to bring the values and principles of the kingdom into our relationships, communities, workplaces, all of the areas in our lives that we have influence. So in the midst of this tension, what can we learn from the model of Jesus that he set out for us? How does this apply to us today? So we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, where Jesus announces the kingdom. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Following the arrest of John the Baptist, who set the way for Jesus to come, Jesus began his ministry proclaiming that good news, and he proclaimed that the kingdom of God has come near. With this announcement, heaven broke loose on earth. The separation of heaven and earth began to blur, in a way not yet seen since the fall of humanity. The nowness of the kingdom began through the ministry of Jesus. The kingdom was seen on action on earth. But what did this look like? Well, the great thing is, as we read on, Jesus shows us. He demonstrates a model to us by which we can live a kingdom life as we live in the tension of the now and not yet. When Jesus announces this new new kingdom, there was a challenge and controversy that we don't really experience as we hear it today. There's a context um, in the first century where Jesus is suggesting a different allegiance to that which the Jewish people would have had. The Jewish people were under the kingdom of Rome, under the emperor. Yet Jesus was saying that belief in the good news requires allegiance to a new king. Yet this king is very different to that of Rome, the rule of Rome. Jesus gives an invitation into the kingdom of God. Rome had invaded, captured and forced their rule on Jewish people. Jesus never forces his rule on anyone. The Roman Empire gained um, control through military might, through dominance and enforced laws and operated through fear and coercion. But the kingdom of God is so different. The kingdom of God that Jesus announces is one that operates on love, grace, and servant leadership. Jesus himself came to serve rather than to be served. He taught his disciples to serve others and to be characterized by humility, compassion, and self-sacrifice. So different from the rule that the Jewish people were under in Rome. Jesus never forces us to follow him, but he invites us. As Jesus invites you into his kingdom to believe the good news, will you serve him and give everything over to him? As we continue to look at the model, will we accept this invitation to be all in? The ministry and the message of the kingdom is shown to us through Jesus, and it's the same ministry and message that he calls us to live out today. In Mark 1, verses 16 to 20, we read on in this story. 
As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom attracted the followers who became his disciples. We know that now that it was through those disciples that the demonstration and the declaration and the furthering of the kingdom happened and how it would spread throughout the entire earth. Simon and Andrew, who were fishermen, were called by Jesus to follow him. James and John too. And as we read on in the Gospels, there were 12. There were more that followed him. And there were more than the 12. There were more people that would follow Jesus in his ministry. In the midst of Jesus' invitation is, to Simon and Andrew is the reorientation of their life. They were fishermen, they fished for fish, and now Jesus is saying, you're going to fish for people. Although most Christians are not called to leave their jobs and become wandering preachers with no jobs, um, our identity does shift when we follow Jesus. Whether we leave our jobs or not, a disciple's, the disciples' identity was no longer fisherman or tax collector or anything else other than follower of Jesus in every part of their life. So often we define ourselves by the work we do, but Jesus invites us to reorientate ourselves towards him. The invitation to the kingdom is one of surrender. In my own life, I know for a long time I followed Jesus, I believed but I hadn't necessarily devoted myself to be a disciple for a long time. I was held up in finding identity in places other than Jesus. But when I did make that commitment, which looks different to each one of us, when I made the decision that I was all in for Jesus, regardless of circumstances, location, jobs, any of that, everything changed. Many of those initial circumstances for me didn't change. I was at school, I stayed at school, I was in a Saturday job. I stayed in my Saturday job. I didn't leave my family, but my reason for being in those places had shifted. From that point, my life was surrendered to Jesus. When we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, are we ready for what that means? Are we willing to pursue discipleship? As we read on in Mark 1, Verses 22 to 34, it says this. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He had even given orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. 
as we continue to read through this story, we see another aspect of the kingdom of God demonstrated by Jesus. We witness Jesus demonstrating the incredible power and authority of the kingdom through healing and deliverance. He entered the synagogue teaching with authority that astounded people. Jesus encountered a man possessed by an impure spirit, commands it to leave and frees the man. He heals Simon's mother-in-law and numerous others. Though elsewhere in the Bible, it, it says that there are so many things that Jesus did and said and taught that there wouldn't be space to write them down. These acts of compassion and power reveal the transformational power of the kingdom of God. They weren't only a demonstration of power and authority, which they were, but they were also acts of compassion that go beyond that immediate relief of suffering. They point to the larger work of redemption, the healing of the entire world that the kingdom of God brings. They're signs of the breaking in of the kingdom of God, where his rule and reign bring about the reversal of the effects of the brokenness and sin in the world. In the context of the first century world, many people regarded sickness or demon possession as not just physical ailments, but as signs of spiritual or moral failures. Those who suffered from these conditions often experienced exclusion, shame, and were outcast from their communities. By healing them, by healing the sick and casting out demons, Jesus not only alleviates that physical and pain and discomfort they experience, but he restores their dignity, he restores their social standing and their sense of belonging. They allowed people to enter in who were previously excluded from experiencing the fullness of God's love and grace. Due to religious or cultural norms or any other reason where they might be excluded, Jesus demonstrates his radical openness and desire to bring freedom to those who are marginalized, those who are excluded or deemed unworthy by society. In the now and not yet kingdom, demonstrations of the kingdom are real today. They weren't just for Jesus' time in the first century, but they are also for today. As kingdom citizens, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to demonstrate that transformative power of the kingdom. We participate in healing and deliverance. We minister to broken individuals and communities, and we advocate for justice and demonstrate compassion. That's the heart of the kingdom. It reflects the heart of the king, who loves mercy and seeks justice. What we experience now is just a glimpse of the fullness of what's to come, of the reign and rule of God that will come. But we need the Holy Spirit to empower us and work through us and, and help us in the lives of those around us, which is why you often hear us pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit, because we know that it's Holy Spirit who brings healing and restoration to our lives. The passage continues in Mark 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Seemingly, in the middle of all that was happening, in the middle of his ministry, in the middle of all of the action, Jesus sought solitude and prayed. He sought time with his father. He recognized the importance of spending time with God um, and seeking his guidance. And if Jesus needed to carve out time to pray, how much more do we? Prayer is the foundation from which all of this can flow. 
Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in synagogues, healing people, driving out demons. He proclaimed the kingdom and the message. And as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we're commissioned to continue that work, to declare the gospel and advance the kingdom for our words and actions. As we have looked at Mark 1, we've seen that Jesus had modeled kingdom living to us, the now and the not yet kingdom. But how do we know that what Jesus did then is a model for us today? How do we know that that wasn't just something for Jesus' time? Well, the now and not yet kingdom is the reality we live in between Jesus' death and resurrection and his future return. And in Mark 15, verses 33 to 39, we read about this um, in the death of Jesus. It says this, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. This is as Jesus was on the cross. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, Lema Sabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. This really was the ultimate demonstration of the kingdom's power. Not only the crucifixion, but also the resurrection. Three days later, Jesus rose again. And at the cross, darkness covered the whole land. Jesus cried out and he gave his life as the ultimate sacrifice for us. Through his death, the curtain of the temple was torn. The place where um, God and people were separate, separated, the, the curtain tore, showing that we can have communion with God. And not only did it tear, but it teared from top to bottom. And the, the story doesn't end at the death of Jesus. Three days later, he rose. And this incredible victory over death for each of us, this pivotal moment secures our place in the kingdom and calls us to live in light of the victory won at the cross. Later, before Jesus left the disciples, he gave them a commission, which summarized the model he demonstrated to them and to us. In Matthew 28, we read that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. When they saw him, they worshiped him, some doubted, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The commission that Jesus gave to the disciples is, our, is the same commission that we have today. It's our reassurance that he is with us that the kingdom that Jesus demonstrated and taught is the same kingdom we're invited into today. Jesus is our model. The ministry is the same ministry and the message is the same message. The ministry and message is Jesus's ministry and message, his kingdom, the kingdom of God. So as I draw this to a close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join me. And we're going to just consider for a moment, how do we live this out today? How do we follow his model? Whilst we live in the now and not yet, there are three essential elements that I believe we can apply to our lives. They'll look different to each one of us in our different circumstances, our different situations. 
but they are all three elements that we can outwork if we have accepted the invitation Jesus extends to us. The first is discipleship. We are first and foremost disciples ourselves, and we need to follow Jesus every day. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five months or 50 years, we can always grow closer to Jesus and become more Christ-like in everything we do. Prayer, study, worship, and spending time with one another helps bring us closer to Jesus. And as we are disciples, we're commissioned to bring others closer to Jesus too, making more disciples. The second is demonstration. As citizens of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit empowers us to demonstrate this incredible, transformative, freedom-bringing power of the kingdom. We have the opportunity to partner with God in seeing people healed, set free, and empowered too. We all get to play. We all get to minister. We minister to the brokenness we see in the world around us. We advocate for justice, demonstrate compassion, and include everyone, because we serve a compassionate God who loves mercy and seeks justice. And finally, declaration. We share the kingdom message of good news in the world around us, to the people around us. We live in the now and not yet kingdom of God, where we can experience that rule and reign of God here today, even as we wait the future fulfillment of the kingdom. Through the life of Jesus, through his teachings, we find that model for living a kingdom life and how we can really experience kingdom come today. So as this message comes to a close, I'd love us to pray together and I'd love us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, and then Julian will come up and lead us in communion and we'll follow that by a time of worship and ministry. But if you're able, please stand with me as I pray. And if you know the words, which I'm sure most of you will, feel free to pray along with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.